same same concept. Got to be printed up and studied up. If they speak not according to this word, then there's no truth in it. And I think as a Christian, it's our responsibility when you hear something and you study it and find that there's no truth in it, then it's it's your obligation to go to your brother and to to put them back on track and say, hey, I went and I studied and this is what I found. Do you want to study this further? Because what you said is contrary to what the Bible said. So you don't disregard what they say is that you find truth by studying and if they are on the wrong path then you can help um, put them on the right um, path that is okay. well the bible says my sheep my sheep hear my voice they will follow me so we don't know and let the wheat and tear grow together so we don't really know who's who's what's what and what's not like you said Christine, if you just know that they're wrong, then you can address that. But we can't say, make the statement say, well, they were wrong this time, so we're not going to listen to anything else they say. That the, you know, we can't do that because we don't know who's who and what's what for real, unless they just absolutely let themselves be known for real. Okay. So basically, a right relationship with the Lord for yourself. We have a lot of good ministers, a lot of good leaders doing their best. However, as everyone has seemed to mention, that doesn't matter. Our relationship with God is what matters. And uh, he's the one that will separate the wheat from the tear. It says a little bit in 178.4, men whom God has greatly honored will in the closing scenes of earth's history have a departure from the great principles Christ has laid down in his teaching, a working out of human projects, and then using the scriptures to justify a wrong course of action under the perverse working of Lucifer. Don't mention any names, but have you ever heard any pastors who use scriptures or pastors or leaders to use scriptures to justify a wrong course of action? Anybody heard of anything like that happening? It, it does. It does happen. It does happen. Um, and, and, and particular as it regards to the church, you know, um, you'd have, you, you'd see it happen in the church more than in the world because the world doesn't use the Bible as their source, but the church, because we use the Bible as our source, then there's no other way to justify your wrongdoing by you, unless you're going to use a scripture to justify it. So, um, for, for somebody in the church or to try to use something worldly to justify their course of action, it's going to be like a... a totally no no so it is easier for them to use the bible to justify their faith because they are part of the church and 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 and, and the scripture is because they know that we believe in the scripture we believe in the word of god so it is easier for them to use the word of god to justify their faith so that we can believe what they're saying okay Anybody? And because the devil the devil mixes truth and error so there's going to be enough truth in it mm. that People are going to be led astray. All right. So once again, comes back to studying to show ourselves approved, right? Right. Writing the word of truth. Uh, I do recall a, a person, a leader, and he had done wrong and was uh, being chastised about it. And he tried to re uh, resist by using the scriptures. And it just seemed so stupid that other people knew that this ain't right what you was doing and they was trying to justify it. So our human nature, as it was talking about human actions comes into play to try and 
use the word of God for a wrong purpose or to prove that what we were doing is indeed okay. But God's word is always the truth, right? Right. Our actions are not always what's true. And if you're trying to justify wrong actions by using God's word, it's going to come out. Because right. The Holy Spirit is going to lead people to know that what this person's doing is wrong, regardless of what they're saying about it. Uh, on paragraph 179.2, 179.2. You notice the uh, title of that little section? Yes, unsanctified ministers will be weeded out. Isn't that an oxymoron? Unsanctified <laughs> ministers? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that phrase? Well, you would think that a minister and unsanctified wouldn't be in the same sentence. However, the enemy has ministers. So, you know, <laughs> it would fit that. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. The enemy has ministers. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Unsanctified ministers. What would that look like? What's an unsanctified minister? Well, you know, the Bible talks about uh, many are called and few are chosen. You know, some are called and some just went. And so, <laughs> and so, unsanctified. Uh, some people go into ministry for various different reasons, and it and it has nothing to do with God. It's just their own self-aggrandizement. So, you know, being sanctified, being a humble person, a servant of God, you know, that's that's ministry to minister to others and not to yourself. Mm. Okay, anybody else? Thoughts on unsanctified ministers? Um, I had I had a thought there. Um mm -hmm. when I read the first the first um I think the first little paragraph, um it talks about you know the great issue so near at hand, um, which is talking about the enforcer of the Sunday law. Mm -hmm. will those whom God has not appointed, and he will have a pure true sanctified minister for the latter rain. Uh, my question is, um, is the lettering and the forcing of the Sunday law the same? Is the latter rain the same as the enforcement of the Sunday law? Yes, based on what this um, passage is saying, because it's saying that, you know, at this time, which is the, Sunday, which is the forcing of the Sunday law, that these things will happen, and then it's going to say that... Um, they have ministers that have prepared for this time. Do you mean is it going to kind of happen near in time? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Because oh, okay. these, I think these are, I don't know if these are two different events, this, the forcing of the Sunday law and the latter rain. Um, so she's saying that during the, during the forcing of the Sunday law that these are some of the times when these unsanctified ministers will be forced out from among the church. And also uh, at the closing of the, um, the paragraph she says that there are ministers who are prepared um for for that time to come in to take to take the space of those who have weeded out and i think further on in the in the in the lesson she talks about that as well it seems to me that um when she's talking about the ones that are going to be weeded out because what's going to happen is is you know persecution is going to arise because of keeping the Sabbath. And so there's going to be those who 
will leave the church because they don't want to be persecuted. And so they're going to, they're going to switch allegiances and, and not continue to keep the Sabbath because keeping the Sabbath now is, is become something that's dangerous, but that God's intent, I guess, is that when they leave, then that saint, those that are there are sanctified and they are, um, don't take the place. Right. They're well, no, Maybe not even take the place, but but some are gonna like if you have let's say you've got ten and five leave, well you still got the other five that are rooted and grounded in the word and they're gonna be ready for the latter rain. Okay. Anybody else? Latter rain the same as enforcement of Sunday laws? Or does it proceed after? Okay, some of y'all Bible students. Let me ask you this. Who? Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say that the latter rain, as we think about the former rain, what is the purpose of the latter rain? And that is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring the, the crop up to harvest. Mm -hmm. So those that God has been using all along are going to receive the latter rain. Uh, those that are unsanctified, of course, they're not operating under the Holy Spirit. They're operating under a different spirit. It's not holy. And so it's, so the question is, are they happening at the same time? We know when the Sunday law passes, when the government enforces uh, the worship of the beast on Sunday worship, that's going to be a very short time when uh, it's going to be all over. Those who have never heard the truth, that short little period of time, they're going to be able to, to come in at the very last. But people who have been hearing the truth all the time, probation is going to be closed for them at that point. Hmm. Okay. Now, when we look at enforcement of Sunday laws, who's going to be doing that? The government. The government going to do it. Right, the government, the law, law officials, uh, county council, state laws, etc. But pouring out the latter rain, who's going to do that? Holy Spirit, God's going right, to God's it. Holy Spirit. So there's two different events, uh, two different uh, responsible persons for that. So they're the same. although the uh, enforcement of Sunday laws will happen. The pouring out of the latter rain that's usually spoken of is a large outpouring. Obviously, we know God's spirit is constantly raining on people now, but there's going to be a large outpouring of that uh, more towards the time of the end. Uh, it says here that many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy in their hands, kindled from the hellish torch of Satan. What do you think of that? Many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy. Mm. Oh, I, I was looking at it when I was uh, reading, and and what what comes to mind is that if you realize that she said that uh, what they will be teaching is um, false prophecy, and what I get is that there are many um, preachers and teachers and leaders who who um, teach about the prophecy, and so you know if you don't have a full understanding of what it is, then yeah, false information will be given. And I think I think that is why she pinpointed that prophecy part because um, if you if you don't carefully study the prophecies and know um, the times and events, then you will lead people astray. 
Okay. And you know, we know too that there are a lot of ministers that are preaching peace and safety right now when we know that we should be giving them sounding the 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 warning sound right now and uh that the that the i guess the trumpet should should have a certain sound right now and it should be a warning sound not a sound of okay ali ali income free you know <laughs> <laughs> have you has anyone ever noticed that in the adventist church move cat <laughs> Has anybody ever noticed in the Adventist church that we don't often have visiting preachers outside our denomination? Do you ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah for a reason, because yeah. it might not necessarily be in agreement with our doctrines that we find out of the Holy Scriptures, and they don't want that type of information being preached to the uh, church family. Uh, mm -hmm. Doctrine, mm -hmm. false prophecy, being spoken of because it's easy for people to be misled. So she's saying that towards the end, many will stand in our pulpits giving out false prophecy and false truth. And that's not just people from outside the church. Right. And remember this talk, this is talking about unsanctified ministers. So there will be people who we've grown to know, grown to love, who will be preaching falsehoods in the name of Christ. When did this, when did we start having false uh, Christ and antichrist? Did that recently start? No. Mm -mm. When did it start? Anybody? Last week, couple months. Uh, ago. It's been going on since day one. Yeah. Himself. Right. What did Jesus say? There's many antichrists already in the world. That was at his time. So. Mm -hmm shouldn't be a big shock, even though it will be, because uh, just suppose you grew up with a person in the church and they're a great preacher. And now all of a sudden you're hearing what they're saying and it's not matching with God's word as you have been uh, taught. How would you feel about that? What would you do? You, you mean if they were in the listening? pulpit and we were at church? Right. If they're preaching and you're saying, <laughs> This is not according to God's word. What would you do or say? Everybody would just sit there. No, I, I think that I think that that's something that you would have to say a prayer about and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Do I, you know, stand up and say something? Do I wait until after? You know, we when we when uh, at our pulpit. When the message goes out, it goes out all over the whole world. So we certainly wouldn't want someone up there speaking a false message. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I remember watching this program and this 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 neurosurgeon who um, had no religion at all. He had a brain tumor and he actually died and they brought him back. And so his whole message was, well, I didn't believe before, but when I was, you know, I guess out of this world, so to speak, dead, he said, I was taken to heaven and I was shown and God said, there's nothing that um, people do wrong on this earth. And so, you know, you just have to, um, you know, I believe now and I know that that was God saying that, that you can't do no wrong. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> And so don't worry about anything because everything, everybody's going to be okay and everybody's going to make it in. You can't do wrong. You just got to believe in me. That's all you got to do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have somebody saying crazy stuff like that in the pulpit, I mean, you know, 
you get used you say holy spirit okay how do we stop this now for us on the cameras all we do is just shut the media down <laughs> so it's just those in the sanctuary that are hearing it and it's mm. not going out anywhere else um that's so okay. funny because one time i was at an oakwood's alumni weekend and somebody from one of our churches was down there and uh you know that that's a very structured program on alumni weekend and this person just walked right up onto the stage and was headed to the mic and the media people just shut the mics and everything off so that you didn't know what was being said while everybody gathered around her to get her her off the stage <laughs> but okay. you don't know what was being said because they immediately just turned off everything and so Anybody, that, that, what, what would you what say do. or do that's interesting <laughs> what would you say or do I, I don't i don't know but i think i think probably um you know as karen said to shut the media media aspect of it down but I, i'll let him continue until after the service after the service then you know i think probably um i just i just you know bring certain things to his attention and and you know following that then probably have a discussion with the church to say that you know there was some information that was said that was uh misleading because well, what if you had visitors there that day and that was their only opportunity to hear the truth i mean i don't i think you probably just have to just um, see them and find out who they are and just um let them know that hey um this is not what we are about you know we are about righteousness and we are about speaking the truth and there was information that was said that was not um supported by the bible and just let them know that um it, it won't happen again you know well, one you know, of the things that I, I we go ahead Chris. when you when you have someone that is spreading falsehood and they know it and not in their home church but in someone else's church I know the first thing I would probably do is go to the person in charge and ask them to remove them off the pulpit because if they're not speaking the truth and then they're not speaking the advance um um principles then that it shouldn't even be allowed. I mean, I think that is um a call for the elders and the pastor to make uh, a move because even in the minds of our young people they can be influenced in so many different ways um they don't have to be adults they don't have to be um seniors that word is going from wall to wall and even downstairs with the cooks and you don't know who's downstairs who's coming in um you just don't know so it's i mean it's urgent that you do something and you move fast before um your sanctuary is contaminated it's very true you know it's kind of funny to me but in some of sister white's writings a person was up preaching and the lord told her that wasn't the truth they were speaking so she actually stood up and said brother belabor us no longer <laughs> and made a guy get off the pulpit mm. it happened before at a a funeral doing a funeral yep. and the person got up and start preaching up the deceased into heaven and mm -hmm. got up and said, okay, uh, we limiting remarks, you know, and moved them off of the microphone. So <laughs> you have to take, take action. In fact, in our, at Northside, we had the elder certificates that I gave out. One of the thing, one of the, uh, one of the items on there says that at any time when someone is being disruptive or calling, Church service or preaching against the Adventist beliefs, 
that our elders have authority to go up and remove them. Mm. Christine is right. It don't take long for a, the wrong thing to get said and many people to be lost. So if you if all you got to look at is in, uh, maybe hurting some, one person's feelings for the of other people's souls, that's a small uh, price to pay in my book. So you just have to tell them, hey, we appreciate you coming, but, you know, your time is over and have so, them sit. So you're saying yeah. it's expedient for one person to be removed and that the whole nation be deceived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the kind of decisions you have to make as a leader. You know, on, on paragraph 180.2, 180.2, and this is what some of, uh, some of you were saying earlier, is that you can't really tell who's who until their actions show because it says that chaff, which is the bad part of wheat, chaff like a cloud will be borne away on the wind, even from places where we see only floors of rich wheat. So while we're looking at outward appearance, God's looking at our hearts. And where we think all these people are great ministers and terrific leaders and exemplary members, God is looking at hearts and saying, no, this person's chaff, and they're going to be blown away like the wind by the wind. So we always stay in touch with the Lord. That's our only safeguard. You have to have a relationship with God where if he tells O'Mill to stand up and say this or that or tells Christina to get up and do this or that, that we move. We don't sit there and second guess and try and have a church board meeting over it. You have to be in touch with God so much that when he says do this or say that, that we do it. Yeah. Yeah, just just an example to just an example that that God does read our heart, uh, and God and man do look at the outward appearance. Um, if you if you if you if you if you notice, um, when they were choosing the king for Israel, um, God sent um, Samuel to anoint um, the king, which was all uh, Jesse's kids, Jesse kids, mm -hmm. and he, he chose all the other ones at first, but um, they look like king. They have this the, 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 um, the structure of a king, but um, I think their heart wasn't ready. They, they, their heart was at the right place. And the person who they thought was the least among them, he was the one who God chose. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think I think back down in the uh, in the lesson, Sister White talks about it too, that um, there, there, there are people among the church, among us, who, who some folks may overlook, but you know, um, at the end, God is gonna use these people to, um, to speak His word and speak His truth. Amen. Now, real quickly, and then we'll move forward on one eighty point four. This is a, this is what God's expecting from us to be the most unflinching for the most unflinching courage and firmness to stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us and fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. That just that type of courage and uh, firmness doesn't come overnight. So again, while we have time, before the time of trouble really starts here in America, this is time where we have to be walking closer to the Lord, getting closer to him, depending more upon him and learning his voice from all the other voices that we hear in this world. We have to know God's voice for surety. Otherwise, it would be very easy for any of us to be led astray and to be considered unsanctified members. It's a terrible ordeal. We're gonna have to, sanct uh, gonna have to separate people, the wheat from the tear, but it has to be done. It just has to be done. No doubt about it, and he's gonna take care of it 
the way that he sees fit. Uh, go down to 180.7. 180.7. Uh, all of this uh, wheat with the tares and the chaff being blown away by the wind, the whole purpose is for God's faithful to be revealed. The Lord has faithful servants who in the shaking testing time will be disclosed. There are precious ones now hidden, like it was talking about. There are precious ones now hidden who have not bowed the knee to Baal. They have not the light which has been shining in a concentrated blaze upon you. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? That there are a lot of people who have not had as much spiritual knowledge, as much spiritual in insight or wisdom or opportunities as some of us have. And those people will be the ones that God pulls from the ranks of the unsaved at the last hour. It's very amazing to think, uh, whenever I think about foreign countries or look at foreign countries on the documentaries, Americans, we have had so many benefits and blessings and opportunities other people have not had. It's, it's a, just a shame. It's just a real shame that we're not more thankful and grateful to God's blessings. So it's the same in the spiritual realm Many of us have had so many spiritual blessings and opportunities more than other people. It would be a shame to lose your crown to a person that comes in at the last minute. What are, you th what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like you've had spiritual opportunities and blessings others haven't? How have you had that? Well, I think that those who have been <clears throat> raised in the church, in the spiritual home, and have access to all of the accumulated knowledge of the scriptures, spirit of prophecy, all of these things, have seen examples of Christianity. You know, the Bible talks about where much is given, much is required. So the more light you have, the more opportunity that you have, the greater your responsibility. You can't just say, oh, I'm blessed. I feel good. You know, I'm, I feel good about everything that I have, but there's a high price to pay with what God has given you. God says that you are, well, you have been, you have been freely given. Now you have to freely receive uh, uh, what you, you freely receive. Now you got to freely give it. And so that's what God requires of us. We can't just sit on our morals and think we're going to make it on into the kingdom as Pastor Josiah preached today. You know, God's going to judge us on how we've treated the least of our society. You know, we're not just in a cave and just praying and reading scripture, but you're out trying to spread the good news of salvation, trying to lift the souls of those that are in darkness, leading them to the light, people that are in despair, trying to encourage them. There is a greater, a greater, uh, uh, aspect in this life and this Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? You know, every time there is an occasion that persecution takes place, you're either making a decision for or against God. So when, just for example, the when they killed George Floyd, the one police had his knee on his neck, the other three were making a decision for or against Christ. And we, every time we see injustice, every time we see uh, uh, this in person condemned, we're making a decision. Am I going to sit here and watch that happen and act like it's okay? 
or is my heart going to truly bleed for the person who's wrongly condemned? But when we do show that sympathy for others, uh, that shows our attachment to Christ. So any situation, any decision, we're either going to be making a decision for Christ or against Christ. That sounds kind of tough, huh? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned George Floyd, and I'm sure that that officer had no idea of what he was doing at the time and the upheaval that it was going to cause and the ruin to his own life you know, that it was going to cause, but still, and yet he was, um, he just seemed to have no emotion about it. You mean you think he didn't know what he was doing action wise or the results of his action? He didn't know the results of it. And he may not have known that he was actually killing him. He may have just thought, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this and you're not going to do anything about it. And we're going to get up once, once you are subdued and you stop, screaming then i'll get up well you know he may not have realized i don't know the answer to that only god knows that uh that he was actually killing him i don't know or his intention you know what his intention was i do think as an adult you know that when you cut somebody's air off there's a potential of killing them well, I think that after the man was unconscious and you have innocent bystanders saying for two and a half minutes, take your knee off his neck, he's unconscious, he's no longer moving, and you reposition your knee to make sure that there's no more blood flow going to his brain. So at that point, it shows the intent of his mind. A lot of times you don't know, but in this situation, I think there is no doubt that this man's intent was to was to take that man's life. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Lakita here, and I'm gonna say, well, wait a minute now, because how do you know that this man didn't have some sort of mental issue and he was in denial about his own actions? You talking about the police? <laughs> yes. The police officer for 25 years. <laughs> he had a mental disorder. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, he, he, he had several other write-ups now, so he could have had a mental block. You know, there no, are a no, lot no, of people no. in denial no, no, no. in this world no, no, no. about their actions. I think, I think too. Um, um, hello? Can you all hear me? Yes. Yeah, we hear you. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, whoever that was. Oh, Mia? Um, I, I was I was gonna say um, during this sermon during this sermon today, um, Pastor just uh, um, the, the passage in Matthew twenty five, you know, um, it talks about how how God separate you know the, the the goat from the sheep and 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 the question the question the question the question was that racism is a mental issue. Speak up, we couldn't hardly hear. Okay, so um the quest the question the question the, 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 the sheep asked the one who was on the right was Lord when did we see you and feed you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? But, but Jesus said the least you have done to one of these my people, you have done it unto me. So, 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 what those officers did, 
they were doing against Christ. It was against Christ. It was against his own. So, 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 so the way you treat others, the way you treat others, you know, you're treating Christ this very same way. So, so, so what they were doing was, was just totally wrong. It was inhumane. It was just, it was just totally against um, Bible principle, against the, the, the law of the land. And, and, and so, and so, and so we, we, we today, whatever we do, whatever decision we do um, to, to, to those among us, you know, we are doing it under Christ. You know, um, I think that's why Christ says, you know, um, love your enemy as yourself, because it takes a greater love. It takes a greater depth of love to love your enemy than to, than to love your friend or your family. And so when you, when you, when you, when you don't love those you see are probably your enemy, you're actually not loving Christ. Mm, amen. It's a lot to think about. I mean, every time we see injustice, uh, it's not like killing unarmed black men has just started. And in fact, you know, they people say Jesus was an unarmed black man. So you, you kill an unarmed black man, it's ridiculous. And it's been going on since we came to this country. So at some point, we can't think they don't know. You got to know. It's like the same police. Uh, even during the investigation, other police are still choking people out. You got to know. Come on. What do you live under a rock? But are we so blessed as a people that we get to be put in the same position that Jesus was, that we have to forgive our enemies, yet while they're in the process of stoning us and mistreating us, it's a hard job. It's difficult. But it's kind of what we're called to do. And, um, you know, if you said this to me last year, I would be spitting mad because I wouldn't want, you know, any of them to go to heaven. And I would be angry. I would be thinking about forgiving these people. But, you know, it took a while. It's a work. You know, it's a work that we have to do. And it just seems, re it seems really unfair. But it, you know, it's what it is. And, you know, they are doing what they're doing. I think some of them really know what they're doing and they intend to do it. Some of these people were, you know, in outright groups and, you know, racist groups getting to be a police so they can do this and stuff. And that's why I feel like, yes, they need to get some type of um, punishment or consequence. And for one thing, you know, most people won't come to Jesus just because, you know, it's the right thing to do. Most people are hurting. You know, most of us may have come to Christ because we were hurting. And so, you know, putting them in jail may be the thing that will help them to be saved. You know, but mostly, mostly, you know, it's doing something to us on the inside. And we have to be careful because I personally don't want to be lost because of somebody I don't like, you know, is I, so I have to work on it. Right. I think so. We have to be careful about judging people, even when we see things like this judging them uh or you know what we what we witnessed with george floyd judging you know the the intents and purposes of people you know mm -hmm. <laughs> only god knows our heart right oh he killed that guy <laughs> we don't know what his intent intents of his heart were but the actions were he killed him yeah. uh, it's interesting, too, as was pointed out by several, that the decision we make in our own heart about how we're going to uh, respond, how we're going to act, what we're going to say, 
again, we're making decision for Christ or against him. Am I going to hate people and go out and throw rocks and flaming arrows? Or am I going to ask forgiveness for them just like I want forgiveness? It's, it's all about building our character to be more like Jesus. And when Christ was on the cross, what did he say about the people crucifying him? Forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the, the uh, ramifications of what's going to happen. They don't know all that's been prophesied. They don't know the results of their actions in a true sense. So many times decisions, but we don't know the full impact of what our decision is going to have. So we have to be careful, too, that we always strive to make our decisions on the side of Christ, no matter what. Uh, when we're talk talking about people being shaken out of the church, uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, we read that not, not uh, nine out of, no, two out of 20 on the church rolls. It says not one in 20. Not one in 20 on the church rolls will be ready for Christ's second coming. That's a staggering figure, isn't it? Right. Not one in 20 is going to be ready. So we need to make sure that our calling and election is sure and true by depending only upon Christ to save us and not we ourselves. And the people who are, are shaken out of the church, do you think there's going to be empty mansions in heaven? Nope. They're going to be replaced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look on paragraph 182.1. 182.1. It says, new converts will take the place of those who leave. Those who are shaken out and sifted out, the careless and indifferent who did not join with those who prized salvation enough to perseveringly plead and agonize for it, did not obtain it and were in darkness. And their places were immediately, immediately filled by others taking hold of the truth and coming into the ranks. Do you think a person has to be in church 20, 30, 40 years to be saved? No. Nope. No. Isn't there like a limit you have to know the truth for a certain amount of time to be saved? No. Nope. Why not? Is there any, any way that you know? How do you know that? Because I mean, the thief on the cross. This day. Yeah, I think I, I think too that there's a parable. I think there's a parable in the Bible that talks about the person who comes in um at a certain hour. One comes in probably twelve, one coming early. Um so it it doesn't it doesn't matter how long or how quick you come to church. Um I think what just really matters is just the fact that you you believe in this awesome God who 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 died for your sin, um, and and you confess you confess Him as your Lord. I think that's what important. Okay, Percy, you had something to say about number of years? No, I was I was in agreement with Karen. The thief on the cross, he said, "This day," and simply at that point when the thief said, "I accept you," and so it goes back to. Uh, the very scripture it says, for those for for God so loved the world that whomsoever believeth at that point, you know, you you're saved. Okay. And Emil was talking about the parable of the eleventh hour. What was going on there? Emil, you want to share with us a little more about the eleventh hour parable? Um, I just, I don't remember it quite, but I know I've read it before, but what I do know is that, um, 
I think they that you know God had some people in the vineyard working, and some came at different time period. So, for example, in a, in a day, some probably come twelve o'clock. Some was there from eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. One probably come eleven thirty, and you know at at twelve o'clock, everybody get the same pay, same reward. And mm-hmm. and some person were you know. I think the person who was there for eight, from eight o'clock in the morning was like, you know, why did he get the same um, reward? And he just came, you know. So I, I think I think that probably kind of put things in perspective as as you know how people do come in the kingdom of God. Right. So it's not a matter of time in the church. How long you've been in the church? Uh, a lot of times people used to get upset if you didn't recognize how long they'd been in the church, and they. They tell you, oh, I've been in the way 30 years. And yeah, they've been in the way 30 years. <laughs> That's about it. But it, it doesn't matter how long you've been in, in church. What matters is that you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And those people who are not strong enough, who have not kept their hold on Christ through the time of trouble and trial and tribulation, which comes every day, are going to be shaken out. And you can imagine that there will be some people that we personally know that are going to walk away from the uh, truth. And we'll be left wondering, well, why? What happened? You know, we grew up in church together or or they was on the deacon board with me or whatever. And we'll have no clue other than they just did not hold on to the unchanging arm of God. So we have to be extra careful ourselves that we don't look aside to the right or to the left uh, to serve other gods in any type of way or manner or means, but that we continually keep our hold on the unchanging arm. There's going to be opportunities for other people to hear the truth. We've heard the truth. A lot of our family and friends we've worked with, we prayed with, we studied with, and maybe they haven't accepted it yet, but they might accept it at the last call. You never know. So when you're studying with people or you're praying for your relatives or friends, don't ever give up. Because just because they didn't join when you wanted them to, that doesn't mean anything. But God's Holy Spirit is continuing to work with them every single day. So that at the last day, when he calls, he says, I have sheep of other folds. And when they hear my voice, they're going to do what? They're going to follow. It's going to be a tremendous time for all the saints of God. Again, as witnesses for Christ, we got to keep doing our part of spreading the gospel message because we never know who we might speak to a person one time and then they accept Christ. Whereas other people working with for years and they haven't seemed to. So don't ever think that you know who's coming and who's going because it's just like the Holy spirit. We can't see which way he's going, but we do see his results. Mm -hmm. So he prayed up. Uh, It says at the last paragraph, uh, while the door is next to last, while the door is closed to those who would not enter, wait a minute, his hand is stretched out to save. Let me move up a little bit. Tenderly will the Lord look upon those who have had no opportunity to learn the truth. There are people who have not had the opportunities to learn the truth, but the Lord will look upon them tenderly. His hand is still stretched out to save while the door is closed to those who would not enter. Large numbers will be admitted who in the last days hear the truth for the very first time. So never give up on your family and friends. Never give up on your relatives. Never give up on fellow members. 
because there's a lot of people that aren't in the, in God's army right now, but later on they will come and they will be saved and they'll be in heaven, hopefully because of your witness. And that would be a real blessing. Amen. 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 All right. So we'll wind up. Uh, Aaron, what are we on next week? Um, we're on Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 66, The Power of Satan. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so we'll close out. Uh, Hello. Percy, would you wind us up with prayer, please? Hello. Somebody was trying to say something. Uh, Tori was trying to speak. Okay, Tori, what you got? Well, actually, man, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Praise the Lord. Uh, on that section where this talks about the new converts be taking the place of those who leave, mm -hmm. uh, we, when we look at the prophecies and we look at the three angels' message, and when when God made that loud the loud cry, which is the final the final warning message, when He talks about Babylon is falling and is falling, and He's telling His people to come out of her. Uh, uh, one thing uh, we have to be careful for those who have been in the church a long time since we are kind of uh, discussing that. We need to be really careful uh, about how long we think we've been in the church like it's going to get us a, um, uh, a guaranteed in heaven. And I'm saying that to say this. When we look at the prophecies, the warning message for is for us, the Christians that is in the church. We're talking about a shaking. And this talk about new converts going to be take the place of those who leave, right? So this is what the Lord has given me. When the loud cry is given, and those people is coming out of the churches and out of the world to join our ranks. We need to be so careful, and I'm going to keep saying that for this reason. The most, the Christians, this is what I gather, and anybody that does research of the Bible, most of the Christians who are, number one, we have a lot of Christians that are deceased, and we're talking about 6,000 years worth, okay? And then we look at our time frame now, we real we should understand and realize that you know that we could be shaken if we are deceived by Satan. We know that. And what the Lord has shared with me was that most people living on earth now, right now at this moment may not be able to, may not be the ones that's going to make it. It's probably going to be the ones when God gives the final call because they are the ones that's going to accept the message, which all of us been in the church. Hang on. Now, let me not put myself in it. All other people who has been in church for years, now they decided to leave for a certain reason. We need to understand, man, what God is really trying to say to us. And that time period is not the thing that is important. Uh, how long you've been in the church, what is important is our heart to God. And one last point I want to make before we move on. Uh, the Lord 
allowed, told me to share this. When we're talking about the shaking, we have discovered, you know, by in our discussions, that there are people where certain characters that we're discovering people uh, who their true allegiance is. And most definitely we should have discovered what their fate will be. When we look at Matthew chapter 13, and I ask you guys to go and read this. When you look at Matthew chapter 13 and you look at verses three through six, and then you start understanding what God is talking, we're talking about the shaking. And then you go back and read verses 19 all the way to 23. You will see that God says that there came a sore and a lot of things, uh, the word of God fell on certain grounds, on stony ground, uh, on, 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 on grounds of thorns and thistles, and some on good grounds. But when you read, you know, the revelation and interpretation of it, think about the shake and look at those scriptures and you'll see exactly how these things uh, is going to take place from a from the Bible standpoint, you know, it talks about some who not going to have any root of them and root in them. And when persecution and trials come, the Bible says they're going to get offended and they're going to leave the faith. It also talks about other ones who receive the word, you know, and, 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 and others uh, because of the cares of this life. They're going to become unfruitful. It's, it's, then it talks about those who are on good grounds. But when you go back and go and examine that particular parable, and you can parallel that to what we're studying about the shaking, I think is going to open your eyes a little bit closer to what God's saying and how a lot of things is going to take about in the last days. Amen. So everybody uh, make know that Matthew 13 about the sower who went to sow. And again, let us remember, be good, faithful servants of God and friends of man spreading the gospel because we never know what the future is going to hold. Although we know it's holding the second coming of Christ, which is the blessed hope. Uh, Percy, would you close us out with prayer then? Sure. Father God, Lord, just one more time. We've had an opportunity, Lord, to bathe, dive into your word, Lord, and to be bathed uh, in your spirit. And so, Father, we just ask, Lord, that as we continue to press forward, as we continue to study, that you will continue, Lord, to allow your spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct our paths. Lord, as we look to this shaking time, as we enter into these latter days, Lord, we want to know that we're ready and that we're prepared. And we found out, Lord, that the best way for us to be there is to be in connection with you. That, Lord, as we stay lined up with you, as we stay prayed up, as we continue to study, we would be assured, Lord, through your word. And so, Father, we ask that we would do exactly that. We ask that you bless the rest of this Sabbath, Lord. Be with each and every one on this call, Lord, and those who uh, are ne not necessarily on the call but are watching on YouTube or uh, whatever other device they may be finding us. We thank you, Lord, again, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. 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 All right. Once more, Karen, with chapters, so make sure we all get Chapter 66, The Power of Satan in Testimonies 66. for the Church, Volume 1. All right. 
Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the Sabbath. Okay, 6 p.m. is the last quarantine revival tonight. 6 p.m.? Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. All right.